This podcast is part of the Erotica Podcast Network. We offer a free Erotica Podcast and a premium patron taboo podcast which contains more intense sexual themes. You can subscribe to the premium podcast for $2 per month or support the Erotica Podcast on Patreon to support us and allows members to request future stories and themes. Thank you for listening. This podcast contains mature content and is intended for an adult audience only. It contains explicit words, thoughts, and ideas. The content of all stories is fiction with any similarities to real people or events being purely coincidental. This podcast is not intended for anything but entertainment of the listener, and if you do not agree with the themes listed in the tags, please do not listen to the story. All characters engaging in sexual relationships or activities are 18 years old or older. This story was found on a free website and brought to audio form here. I did not write and take no credit for this story. Please visit the link in the comments to further support this author. Allender's Hunt Big Game by Black Randall 1958 Allender, are you ready? Her husband called. They were leaving for two weeks in the mountains on an elk hunt. She was looking for her foam pad. She knew sleeping on the ground would become very uncomfortable without some high-density foam between her body and the earth, and the ground could be miserable and cold. Brian, have you seen my Encelite pad? She called. I put it in the truck already. He called back. She grabbed her backpack off the floor by the door, and they went to the truck. It was going to be a long drive. Brian Celine watched his wife come outside and down the sidewalk. He still couldn't believe he had talked her into marrying him. They had been married three months and his heart still pounded every time he looked at her. She was a tall, slender, dark-haired girl. Her hair was that dark blue-slash-black color you sometimes see. She was wearing tight blue jeans and a button-up white blouse. She looked so sexy he wanted to take her back inside and fuck her right then. She was obviously not wearing a bra. He could see those large, firm breasts sway and jiggle inside her top and as she swung her backpack into the truck he marveled at the way she filled out the denim of her jeans. She was a gym rat, and it was easy to tell in the way her ass jutted out, making men drool on themselves. She climbed in and looked at him. What? She asked. I just can't believe how beautiful you are. He told her. She smiled, her teeth flashing white in her creamy face. She had that rare pale, almost translucent, skin and she was careful since she spent a lot of time outdoors, running through their neighborhood every morning and spending many afternoons by the pool in their backyard. They both loved hiking and camping and shared a love for hunting. This was the second time they had gone together, and he knew she was a crack shot with any kind of weapon. Her father had raised her deer and moose hunting on the Upper Peninsula, and she had taken many deer and two moose. Neither of them had ever killed an elk, and they were looking forward to the hunt. She was hoping to take one with a bow. Brian wasn't much into bow hunting, but he admired her for doing it. She looked at her boyish husband and felt all warm inside. She knew how lucky she was. She was a little horny looking at him. He was an amazing lover, and Allender couldn't get enough of him. They were going to wait a while to have kids. They were just enjoying being married to each other. Brian was a dream come true to her. They met during their senior year at college, and she knew she'd found the other half of her soul. He just had an air about him that melted her. He was scary smart, witty, and he had a sense of humor that matched hers. He was an outdoors person, just like she was, and she thought he was the hottest man she had ever met. Those big brown eyes, a swimmer's body, and he was the most amazing lover she'd ever imagined. She couldn't get enough of him, and he obviously felt the same way about her. Allender was in love, in lust, and married to the man with whom she wanted to spend the rest of her life. It was a long way to Colorado, and they stopped for the night in Des Moines. Late the next afternoon they rolled into Salida and met their guides there. They were hunting the big baldy mountain area, and they were driven back into the wilderness where they found their base camp. The journey from there was by horseback, and they would begin the next day. They had two guides, and a third man that tended the camp for them. They were introduced to the guides and they liked one of them right away. Peter Thompson was a little cowboy about five feet eight, and a hundred and twenty pounds. He looked to be in his late forties and he was wiry and light on his feet. The other guide was Rains Parker. He was a whole different animal. He was about six five, looked like he weighed two hundred and fifty pounds and appeared to be a refugee from the sixties. He had long black hair, tied back in a ponytail, and he was very quiet. Allender thought he looked like he was in his late twenties and was very good looking. 
His arms were heavy with muscle and his traps were so large he looked like he had no neck. When he shook her hand she felt very small. Since she was nearly six feet tall herself, she was a little unsettled. Don't mind Reigns. Peter chuckled. He ain't said five hundred words in the three months I've known him. He's a college boy. Played football for the Raiders for a while. He knows the woods though. His daddy was a forest ranger around these parts and he knows Big Baldy like the back of his hand. They ate dinner and Brian and Allender got their first taste of bison. Reigns cooked and she went over to ask if she could help him. No, I've got it, he said. His voice was the lowest bass rumble Allender had ever heard. If a grizzly bear could talk, she thought that was what it would sound like. You can set the table if you want, he told her. Dishes in that cabinet over there. Silverware in the drawer underneath. She got the table ready and Peter poured a nice red wine. The bison was delicious, and Reigns was a good cook. They talked about where they would go, and when she mentioned that she wanted to use a bow, Reigns' eyes lit up. Do you bow hunt? She asked him. He nodded. What kind of bow you got? He asked her. I'm shooting a bear motive six with a 65-pound draw weight and quest power punch arrows with 125-grain Hellraiser points. She told him. I'm learning longbow, but I'm not confident enough to try it yet. I'm making my own bow, but it's not done yet. He looked at her for a while. I'm surprised. He told her. Impressed, too. Most women can't handle that heavy a draw. Well, that's a change. Peter laughed. Reigns ain't easily impressed. You a bow hunter, too, Brian? No, it's too much work for me. Brian laughed. Well, we'll send those two off to sneak around and we'll actually kill something. Peter told Brian. We're going to kill something, too. Reigns told him. My clients have taken elk with a bow, Allender. We killed five last season. Her big blue eyes were shining with excitement. I want something nice. She told him. It doesn't have to be huge, but I want a nice one. I've killed a moose and a black bear with a bow. Brian just wants an elk. He'll get one. Reigns told her. If he can get Peter to shut up long enough to get close. Peter's really very good. He could sneak around too, but he's lazy. He always gives me the bow clients. They made an early night of it and got up at six in the morning. It was still very cold and Allender shivered until she got her cold gear on. They put on lots of layers and by the time Allender was dressed, Reigns had breakfast ready. They ate quickly, eager to get going, and when they were through, Reigns had the horses tied outside. Allender tied her bow on the back of her saddle and they climbed on. She was a little stiff from the ride the previous day, and she felt like her joints were creaking. She soon limbered up and when they left the trail, she kissed Brian. Brian and Peter continued up the trail they had been on, and Reigns led her on a winding route that led around the mountain and steeply up the slope. They rode for an hour and suddenly the vista opened up and she was looking down into a large canyon. Reigns pulled glasses out of his saddle bags and she followed. Three o'clock, he told her. About two miles out on the other side of those aspens. She looked and she made out half a dozen elk moving in a clearing. What do you think? She asked him. That second bull looks pretty big from here. He's pretty nice. He told her. He's no record but he's nice. You interested? Do you know of anything better? She asked him. Yes, but it's a ways. He said. Let's have a go at this one and see how we do. It's better to take a nice one than miss on a really nice one. She agreed, and they rode into the canyon. It was warming up and Allender was beginning to get hot by the time Reigns pulled up and dismounted. They tied the horses and she took off two layers. She felt like she was being watched, and she glanced at Reigns. He was looking at her in obvious appreciation. What the hell? She felt a little self-conscious. Her face flushed a little and she turned to face him. What? She asked. Nothing. He said. You're a very beautiful woman. I'm sorry if I made you uncomfortable. She shrugged it off. Brian tells me that. For some reason she felt like she should mention her husband. Forget about it. Let's go hunting. She pulled down her bow and got her arrows. They made the stalk and when they got close to where the elk had been they took a peek. Allender's heart sank. They were half a mile away and moving farther. Well, should we try to get ahead of them? She asked. No, I don't think so. Reigns mused. We'd have to climb that wall and we couldn't take the horses. By the time we got up there's no telling where they would be. Let's take the next canyon south and see what we spot, 
They made two more stocks that day. One came up empty and Allender didn't want the bull she got close enough to take. It had a broken antler and Reigns agreed that she should pass it up. It was getting late and they decided to head back. They rode in companionable silence for most of the trip. Just before they reached the cabin Reigns stopped. I have an idea. He told her. It involves getting up about three and riding for three hours. But there's a big bull out there that I'd love to put you on. What do you think? I'm game. Allender told him. Listen Reigns, I'm not disappointed in today. I just love to be out here. I want an elk, but that's just a bonus. Being in this place, doing these stocks, that's what it's all about to me. Good girl. Reigns told her. I like the way you think. Let's go get dinner. Brian and Peter were already back when they arrived. They had seen elk, but they were down in a canyon that they couldn't get into from their position and they were going to try to take one tomorrow. They ate supper and Allender and Reigns turned in early for their trek the next morning. It was very cold when they got up and they ate a quick breakfast and saddled the horses before the others got up. The ride through the dark forest was a little unsettling to Allender, and she was glad Reigns was with her and knew where they were going. As the sun came up they were close to the area they wanted to hunt, and at 10.30, Allender spotted a group of elk in an aspen thicket. They made a stalk and came out about 200 yards from the biggest elk Allender had ever seen. It had begun to rain and the elk were restless. Reigns found a draw that would give them cover. We need to do this now. He whispered. They're going to move to better cover. When we come up, you take him if you have a shot. This is a very good bull, Allender. She's closer, waiting for the bull to lower its head to make the draw. It turned a little more broadside and Allender drew down and let the arrow fly. It was a perfect shot, just behind the foreleg and a little lower than center. The huge animal flinched and took off as if shot out of a cannon. Allender was trembling with adrenaline and she threw herself on Reigns. Did you see that? I got him, Reigns. You couldn't have made a better shot. Her arm circled his neck and she pulled him down for a hug and a kiss on the cheek. He was huge. How long do we wait to go look for him? She became a little calmer and realized her body was wrapped around his and she flushed a little more. She disengaged and drew away a little. Let's go get the horses and then we'll trail him. Rain suggested. It was now raining very hard and the temperature felt like it was plummeting. The sky was completely overcast and there was a cold vapor rising from the earth. They brought the horses back to the place she had loosed the arrow and began looking for the trail. Crashing through the aspen thicket, it was easy to trail and when they reached the edge of the meadow after a quarter mile, they quickly found the elk almost exactly in the center of the clearing. Allender got Reigns to take some pictures and she took one of him standing by the elk, too. They got immediately to work field dressing the animal, and he helped her quarter it. They wrapped it in plastic he had brought, and put it in canvas bags for transportation. By the time they had it strapped to the backs of the horses a heavy snow was falling and visibility was near zero. The wind had begun to howl, and incredibly to Allender, lightning was crackling all around. She was very frightened and Reigns was setting quite a pace for being nearly blind. After half a mile he drew up in front of her and got off his horse. He cupped his hand around her ear and shouted to be heard over the howl of the wind. There's a rock wall about twenty feet ahead. Keep an eye out for an overhang, a deadfall, a cave or anything we can use for shelter. We need to find some place to hunker down. She nodded. They moved forward and the wall came into sight. It went up out of sight into the storm and they turned to the right. They followed it for maybe half a mile, and it came to a gradual end. We have to go back the other way and try that. Rain shouted in her ear. The ground was covered with snow now, and it was coming thicker, if anything. They retraced their steps and by the time they had gone a hundred yards they could no longer see their tracks Allender was wearing good gear but some water had gotten through in a number of places and she was shivering as the heat leached away from her body. A dark opening in the wall appeared ahead and Reigns dismounted and checked it out. It was large at the opening and went back about fifteen feet before pinching down to a narrow throat. They led the horses inside the first room and peered inside the narrow passage. It appeared to open up past the throat and they could see another small room, maybe six feet across and six feet deep. Allender was shivering uncontrollably and Reigns could tell she was in trouble. I'm going to find some wood to make a fire, he told her. Take the stuff off the horses if you can. We can use the blankets and pads they have under the saddles. Find my lighters in my pack and I'll get a fire built as soon as I can. Working will help keep you from freezing. Allender was so cold she could hardly concentrate, 
but she started unsaddling the horses as Reigns took a hatchet and disappeared into the snow. She cursed her stupid stiff fingers as she fumbled at the cinches. She managed to get the saddles off and she put the pads on the floor of the small room with the horse blankets on top of them. She put her foam pad down and moved the pads and blankets on top of it. Fumbling clumsily at Rain's pack, she managed to get it open and find a dry bag with three lighters and a can of fluid inside. She put them out and made a circle of large rocks just inside the narrow part of the shallow cave. The smoke should be able to escape when they built the fire there, and it would also give the horses some heat. By the time she finished, Rain's was back with an armload of dry wood he had broken off of standing trees. He quickly broke off small branches and built them into a little teepee in the center of the rock circle. He broke up gradually larger pieces until he had pieces as large as his wrist on the top. Allender helped and they soon had a respectable pile built up. Rain squirted some of the lighter fluid on the smallest branches and he soaked them well. He made a little trail of fluid away from the fire and lit it with the lighter. The flame ran up the trail and the pile burst into flame. In ten minutes they had a nice fire going and Allender was holding her frozen hands out to the flame. She was still shivering and her teeth were chattering. Rains was very concerned when he looked at her and saw that her lips were a bluish color. Allender, are you wet? He asked her. Yes, some of my clothes are wet and I'm still freezing. She managed to get out between chattering teeth. We've got to dry your clothes. He told her. You'll never get warm as long as you're wet. Take off everything that's wet and wrap up in the blankets. We'll hang your clothes on sticks by the fire to dry. The last thing she wanted to do was take off her clothes in the frigid air but she was freezing. Don't look. She told him. I swear. He promised. Are you going to be modest or alive? She went and got the blankets, stripping down to her bra and panties. Her bra was wet too, and she took it off, quickly wrapping herself up in the blankets. She hurried back to the fire, and Rains gathered up her clothes. He thrust sticks into the rocks and hung her clothes around on the sticks close to the fire. She was still shivering uncontrollably and Rains was getting very worried. Past a certain point of hypothermia she was unlikely to recover, and they needed to warm her up quickly. She was very drowsy and lethargic, and she didn't notice him stripping off his own clothes. She roused up a little when he picked her up and placed her on the saddle pads he had carried close to the fire. She felt a blast of cold air when he opened the blankets, and then she felt his warm skin on her cold body. He shivered when he felt her against him. She felt him lay her back on the saddle pads and his heavy body was lying over hers, deliciously warm and spreading a comfort through her. Allender floated in a drowsy haze, still shuddering from time to time as her body core, attempting to conserve heat, sent shivers through her. She could feel her nipples, very erect from the cold, scraping against his chest as they breathed and the sensation seemed somehow wrong to her but in her days she couldn't quite pin the thought down, and she didn't have the energy to pursue it. The fire grew as it began to consume larger sticks and coals began to form. The air in the small room grew warmer and Allender began to warm up a little, the combination of body heat and the heat from the fire warming her. She became more aware of her surroundings and the fact that she was under blankets, nearly naked with a nearly naked man that was not her husband. His heavy weight was on her, and to her chagrin, she could feel his cock pressed against her thigh. It felt huge and it was very disturbing, especially since it seemed to be erect. Rains? She looked into his eyes. I'm sorry, Allender. He apologized. You're a very attractive woman to me. We're practically naked in here and we're going to be here like this for a while. I'm not a very social guy. I don't think I've ever met a woman like you. You're everything I could imagine that I would want in a woman. If you were fat and ugly, the fact that you're so independent, smart, funny and you're interested in all the things I am would make me want you. You're not fat and ugly. You're drop-dead gorgeous. You have a body to die for and I can feel those big breasts against me and your nipples are hard. You feel like silk against me and it makes me very horny. I think that's the most I've talked to anyone in a year. Thanks, Reigns. That's very flattering, but I'm married. She told him. I'm very well aware of that. He told her. I'm trying to be a gentleman here. I appreciate that. She said. Let's forget about it. Let's just stay here and try to get warm. Would you mind if I slept? Maybe that would be best. How long do you think we'll be here? She asked. I have no idea. He told her. It could blow over in a few hours or it could be a few days. We won't starve, but we'll get thirsty if we don't melt snow. I have a few pans we can use. I hate to leave you here, but I need to get more wood. 
I'll use the radio and let Peter and your husband know we're safe and hunkered down in a cave. I'll be fine. She said. I'm getting warmer now. As soon as my clothes dry I'll help you. I don't need any help right now. He told her. You've just had a scare. Just stay here and I'll be back. In an hour he had stacked a huge supply of wood, including some large logs inside the cave and he unwrapped part of the elk they had taken. He cut strips from the loin and impaled them on green sticks, placing them over the edge of the fire. As juices began to drip and sizzle a delicious aroma began to permeate the air. He went out and brushed the snow, now more than a foot deep, aside and plucked huge bundles of bunch grass, carrying them inside so the horses could eat. He hobbled them, not that there was much danger of them going far in this storm, and the strips of elk were done. Allender had been turning them over the fire, and her belly was rumbling. Her clothes still weren't dry, so she was wrapped in the blankets. Rains dug some salt out of his pack and they ate. It was the most delicious thing Allender had ever tasted. It tasted like very tender beef and they ate everything they had cooked. Rains took two metal pans and got them full of snow. They melted the snow over the fire and combined them. He went back and got more and they repeated the process until they had perhaps half a gallon of clean water. He put it in the outer cave to cool and banked the fire with large sticks of wood to last the night. It was fully dark and they decided to try to get some sleep. Allender stood up and they arranged the saddle pads for a mattress of sorts. It was narrow, less than three feet wide, and they were going to barely fit. She lay down and Rain stripped to his boxers and socks. She didn't want to look but her eyes were drawn irresistibly to him. He was hugely muscular. His pro football past was evident. He had a couple of big scars on his knees where he had evidently had ACL surgery. He didn't have that big belly she usually associated with football players. She supposed he must have lost a lot of weight after his football days. He slipped in beside her under the blankets. She immediately felt warmer and very uncomfortable at the same time. The only way for both of them to stay on the pads was to either lay on their sides with their bodies touching or one at least half on top of the other. Allender turned her back to Reigns and he did the same. His back felt very broad and warm against hers and the awkwardness of the situation kept her from falling asleep for a long time. Reigns seemed to have no such difficulty, and his breathing was slow and heavy. The rhythm lulled her, and she drifted off. When she woke up it was still as dark as pitch, and she felt like she had been asleep for a couple of hours. They had shifted in their sleep until Reigns was on his back and she was laying half across him. Her cheek was on his chest and her breasts were crushed against his side. Somehow, she had inadvertently raised her leg until it was over him and her pussy was against his thigh. Her thigh was resting over his cock and it was massively erect under her. The arm under her was wrapped around her back and she could feel his hand resting on the curve of her back just above her butt. The sensation was so erotic that she could feel the moisture of her pussy between her thighs. When she awoke she had been unconsciously rubbing her pussy against the thigh between hers and she was horrified. She felt his hand slide up her back and she was mortified to realize he was awake and had been aware of what she was doing. She didn't know if he knew she was awake and she thought she would just turn gently away so that her back was toward him. She began to shift and suddenly his hand slid back down and cupped her butt, covering one cheek and pressing her against his thigh. The contact caused an involuntary motion as his thigh rubbed against her pussy and her plan to turn unobtrusively over was thwarted. This was the most embarrassing situation Allender had ever found herself in, and she silently cursed her betraying body for putting her here. He flexed his thigh and it caused her to move again, and a moan nearly escaped her lips. When his hand slipped inside her panties and caressed the silky skin of her but she began to grow frantic. Her hips kept up a slow ride that she couldn't control and she could feel wetness running down over her leg. She didn't dare move lest he notice that she was awake, but when his fingers ran down over her perineum, and one big finger slid into the creamy tightness of her pussy, her pretense was detected and fled away as she moaned aloud and thrust against his hand. Another finger found the erect nub of her clitoris and further eroded her will to resist as his other hand cupped one big breast and pulled and rolled one little nipple. Allender had never felt so horny in her life and as skillful fingers manipulated her clit and thrust up into her moist pussy she was coming explosively. She was hardly aware of anything as he slid aside a little, rolling her onto her back and pulling her panties aside as he mounted her. His cock was inside her before she was fully aware and the orgasm she had been having just started again. She felt his cock sinking into her creamy depths and her juices eased away as he gave her more and then more until she felt like he would never reach full penetration. 
Not only was he deeper inside her than anything she had ever experienced, his girth was stretching her wider than anything she had ever imagined she could take. The feeling was so intense that she couldn't stop coming. He began to pump in and out of her, and she could feel the lips of her tight little pussy drag in and out around him as she stretched around his incredible cock. She cried out mindlessly as he brought her to orgasm again and again, her body struggling to cope with the flood of sensations washing through her. He kept her in a constant of climax for what seemed an eternity to her mind, fogged with the incredible emotions she was experiencing. She felt him expand even further inside her until a blast of heat and slippery wetness exploded inside her as jets of white rope become filled her little pussy to the flooding point. The feeling was so intense and her pleasure so great that she feared she was going to pass out from the pleasure he was giving her. He slowed his motions and slowly withdrew, leaving her with an empty feeling. He moved to the side, rolling her to her stomach and placing an arm and heavy leg over her back. She found it very hard to think, the feeling that had left her drained still strong in her mind. Incredibly, she felt his cock still hard against her butt. She felt his hot breath flutter the small hairs at the back of her neck as he nibbled at her earlobe. Goosebumps popped up on her arms, and she felt his knee between her legs, spreading them open. He moved over her, kissing her back and then he was between her legs, his cock sliding back inside her from behind, pressing so deep she groaned. His rhythm began again, bringing her up from the depths of lassitude to a peak of arousal once again as he thrust into her tight little pussy. Oh God! She gasped. Not so deep, Reigns. You're killing me! It was the first words either of them had spoken. You're so hot, Allender. He whispered. God, you're hot. Your pussy is so tight and so wet and you're so beautiful. I can't help it. She groaned as his massive member continued to drive into her until she thought she was losing her mind. His groin slapped against her firm round cheeks and she could feel his heavy balls slapping against her engorged clit. It was driving her wild and her body writhed in a continuous orgasm as he thrust deeply into her hot wetness. She began to find it hard to breathe and the continuous spasms racked her frame as she felt him swell and ejaculate into her hot pussy again, filling her with hot cum. As their motion slowed to a stop his heavy weight, on her and in her, felt so warm and comforting that she floated on a sea of sexual euphoria. Reigns withdrew from her and held her in his arms, spooned together, as they regained a measure of strength. Her mind began to clear and as the enormity of what had happened fully dawned on her, she began to cry. She shook and sobbed as he held her. What's wrong, Allender? He asked gently. Damn you, Reigns. She wept. I should never have allowed this to happen. I love my husband and I've never even thought about another man. Now I'm a cheater and it's never going to be the same for me again. I despise myself and I hate you for this. How am I going to face Brian? Get your hands off me, Reigns. I'm going to check and see if my clothes are dry. She stood and he watched her incredible naked form regretfully as it disappeared into her, now dry clothes. She came back to the blankets and climbed in. You're going to face him the same way you always have. He told her. No one is ever going to know this happened. I'll never tell. We're two people trapped in a situation that either one of us made. We didn't cause the storm. We didn't plan on freezing. How in God's name can anyone expect anything different? We were two adults, naked in a pile of horse blankets in the middle of a blizzard. This happened and I refused to feel bad about it. In fact, I loved it, and so did you. You came a hundred times. I'm not a rival of your husband's for your affection. I know you love him and nothing we've done changes that. I wish you didn't, to tell you the truth. I wish I'd met you first. That didn't happen. We're trapped here for who knows how long and I'm with the sweetest, most gorgeous and most interesting woman I've ever met. She was naked in my arms and by God, I don't regret a thing. Aren't you warm now? Allender laughed. Well, yes I am. I guess that's a plus. Reigns, I do love Brian and I won't leave him or love anyone else, not even you. Are you serious about not trying to take that away from me? If you make the slightest trouble for me I'll come back here, hunt you down and kill you. You'll never see me coming. Absolutely serious, Allender. He told her. As far as I'm concerned, this is a chapter in a book. When I'm done reading it, it's going to be closed forever. I'm not trying to steal you from myself. I know you aren't mine, and you never will be, but I'm going to borrow you for a while. I can live with that if you can. I don't like myself much right now either, but this isn't a normal situation. I know how this happened. I know you're not a cheater. It just isn't in you. I wouldn't be attracted to you if it was. 
We're in a high-stress, emergency situation and it just happened. I wish to God you were mine. You're not and I'll regret that the rest of my life. I'll just have to live with it. You'll be gone, we'll never see each other again and life will just go on. Next chapter, and I'm not in it. Allender looked outside. The snow had stopped falling and she saw stars in the sky. This book is over and I'm burning it. She said. After we leave here, if I ever hear your name or see you again, I swear, I'll hunt you down and put an arrow in your heart. I'm better than you. I'm riding out, you coming? Allender was quiet on the trip home. She didn't know how to play this out. Her initial reaction had been to live with herself and her guilt, be the best wife any man ever had and spend the rest of her life making Brian deliriously happy. That inclination had lasted all of a hundred miles. She could never live with herself. She could never be that deceitful or disingenuous. Brian deserved better than that. Hell, she realized, he deserved better than her. She put it away in a compartment in her mind. She would pay the piper when they got home. She curled up miserably and went to sleep. The trip was interminable. She could tell that Brian sensed that she was upset, but he could have no clue what it was all about. She knew he couldn't imagine what had happened in that cave during the storm. It was inconceivable. She could hardly believe it herself. Allender had never been promiscuous. She had been with three men before Brian, all in long-term relationships, and her weakness and stupidity were eating her alive. Why had she allowed that to happen? That was the question that haunted her every waking moment. They unpacked their gear and he was sitting in the living room, checking emails. She poured two glasses of their good whiskey and went in to sit beside him. Brian, I have something to tell you. She said calmly. He closed his computer and sat back into the cushions. Okay, shoot. He said. I know something's bothering you. I did something horrible back there. She said. The story came spilling out and she felt the shame and burning guilt drape over her like a pall. She could tell that he was in great pain and she spared him the details that would only hurt him worse. Tears were running down his cheeks and she longed to brush them away and take that pain on herself. She was barely in control and she kept an iron grip on herself, trying to recount the sordid tale as if it were a history written by someone else, of a time long past, flat and emotionless in her voice inflection. We have two roads in front of us. She said. If you want to divorce me, I'll go and pack. I know that's what I deserve. I won't complain or whine. I'm not going to insult you by begging, although that's what I'd like to do. I'll sign anything you come up with. I won't contest anything. I'll move away and never bother you again if that's what you want. Okay. He said. Allender's heart sank like a stone in her chest. She arose without another word, and began pulling luggage out from under the stairs. What are you doing? He asked. I'm packing. She said. Isn't that what okay meant? No, I was just agreeing with you. He said. You never told me where the other road went. She came back and took a drink of her whiskey, feeling the warm burn. It doesn't go anywhere. She said. It stays right here. You forgive me, I do penance and we stay married. You give me forgiveness. I know I don't deserve it, but that's what I want. I know it will be hard, and I don't deserve your forgiveness. I don't have any right to expect that. Are you in love with Reigns? He asked. God, no. She said. I hardly know the man. I plan to never see him or hear his name again. That's going to happen no matter what you decide. I love you, Brian. You're the only man I'll ever love. That's true no matter what you decide. If I divorce you, what will you do? He asked. I think I'll move to Canada. She said. I always wanted to live there. It's a sportsman's paradise. Maybe I'll move to North Central Washington State. The same thing is true there. I'll buy me a little cabin somewhere out in the wilderness and start a guide service. Maybe Dad will come and help me get started. Brian was still. Only the swirling of his drink around in his glass showed that he was alive. He didn't say anything for a long time. No, I'm not going to divorce you, Allender. I don't want to say or do anything that I'll regret later. I do want you to leave, though. I don't think I can bear being around you for a while. Maybe I'll get over this, maybe I won't. If what you say is true and you don't want to be with another man, maybe you'll still be there when I do. Oh, I'm pretty certain that it's true. She said. Obviously, I can't make you any promises that you have any reason to believe, but I think you'll see the proof. I didn't plan any of this, Brian. You know that. Yes, I do, Allender. It doesn't matter to me right now. 
I'm thankful you're alive. I hate what you did. I hate you right now. Please just go. Let me know where you're staying. Islander dragged her suitcases upstairs and packed her clothes. Her brain felt paralyzed as she mechanically took her things and packed them away. She needed a box for her personal items, and she went through the living room to the garage. Brian hadn't moved and she could see the glistening of his tears on his face. Her heart tore. She could almost hear the ripping sound. She managed to keep herself together until she got in the garage. She collapsed onto the workbench, the tattered shreds of her self-control blown away as she sobbed. Her hand was resting on something and she looked down to see the tool belt she had gotten him for his birthday. Her fingers caressed it, and she was lost in a storm of grief and anguish. She didn't know how long she had been sitting there sobbing, but the grief began to ebb and a terrible rage began to sweep over her, rage at herself, at rains, at the storm, at everything that had come together to end every dream she had, every notion she had of her own dignity and worth as a human. She was a small dirty thing, and she now knew this about herself. There was no return from this. Her self-loathing grew until she felt the depths of despair. What she had done to that man sitting there with tears streaming down his face was inexcusable. He had loved her, and she had failed. It was the worst possible kind of failure, and she was broken. She drew a deep, shuddering breath. On the wall was her gun rack. She contemplated the beauty of those tools of destruction. It seemed fitting that she should end her pain with something she had enjoyed so much. She stood and took her vintage browning sweet sixteen off its padded hooks. She eased the chamber open and searched through the drawer for a buckshot shell. Finding one, she inserted it into the chamber. Allender. Brian's voice made her jump. What are you doing? No, you don't get to do that. You don't get to escape and leave me in this. You don't get to take the cheap way out. What are you trying to do, permanently destroy my life? Don't be a coward. You've never been a coward. Face this mess you've made and fix it. What the hell is wrong with you? What happened to the girl I married? She turned to face him. She's lost her way, Brian. She sobbed. She's broken and doesn't know how to go forward. I'm so afraid. What am I going to do? I don't know. He said. Not this. Promise me that when you go you aren't going to do this. Find that girl, Allender. When you do, let me know. Put the gun down. Allender took a deep, shuddering breath. I promise, Brian. She didn't put the gun down. No, I'm taking it with me to remind me. She said. I want all my stuff, Brian. These things are part of who I was before, before. I'll pack them tomorrow and send them to wherever you are. He said. He turned slowly and went back in the house. Allender put the browning in its case and carried it to her car. She got the box she had come after, took it back upstairs and packed her personal items. When she was through she carried all her things down and put them in the car. She made one last trip to her office and got her laptop and a picture of her and Brian. She locked the front door behind her and headed west. She had no idea where she was going, but she knew it would be far away. She called Brian after a couple of hours and told him to pack her things in shipping boxes and store them in the garage until she decided where she was going. Point three days later she was in Winthrop, Washington. She saw a sign with the town name, Conconally, on it and she felt a connection. She turned and drove. It was a quaint little town, accessible only by snowmobile during the winter, and Allender fell in love with it. There was a storefront for lease with an apartment above it, and she got settled. She sent Brian her address and in two weeks her things arrived. Allender was quite comfortable, financially, and she spent a month just becoming acquainted with the area and the locals. She discovered that she could lease large tracts of land for hunting and fishing, and there were vast areas of state and federal land accessible, also. She opened a guiding service, and by the time summer arrived she began to get her first clients. They were trout fishermen, and she was enjoying the work very much. Physically, she was doing well but she felt dead inside. Her heart was damaged, and she spent her time alone whenever possible. She cried at night, every night, and she was beginning to think she was never going to be happy again. She was amazed that one six-hour span of a lifetime could cause such destruction. She texted Brian once a week and he always answered. When Brian watched Allender leave the house it was all he could do not to run after her and beg her to stay. She looked so little and broken and lonely that it tore at his heart. He managed to restrain himself. This was the only way forward. Allender needed to rediscover her own inner strength, and she needed to do that on her own. They would deal with the issues between them when she was whole and healthy. 
He feared desperately that she would forget her promise in her despair and take her own life, but he knew that she kept her promises. She always had, except for one, and it was that broken promise that had left her a shell of herself. He hoped that time could heal her. When she called him and asked for her things to be shipped to her, he knew that she was mending. With that load of care removed from his mind, he soon turned to other thoughts. He knew how this had happened. Extreme circumstances had taken her outside her normal reactions. He knew that men constantly hit on her. It had always been that way and he had watched her deal with it on numerous occasions. He had even seen her become violent when a couple of guys had refused to take no for an answer. Allender could be a tiger when pushed, and he had watched her break a man's arm in the hall of a club outside the restroom when he groped her. Had she changed so much that she would just now allow something like what had happened? Was all it took for her character to crumble the right set of circumstances? If that were the case, they had no future together. How would he know? The foremost question in his mind was what was he going to do about Reigns? What would Allender do if she encountered the man again? His first reaction was that Reigns needed to be punished. He was unsure how he would accomplish that, but the man had been unscrupulous, unprofessional and he had, in Brian's view, basically taken advantage of Allender's vulnerable state and raped her. Yes, she had been an active participant, but in her debilitated condition it had probably been impossible for her to act as she normally would. He cursed himself for failing to protect her. If he had only been just a little cautious and gone with her, none of this would have happened. He took no blame for the actual deed, but he had been less than vigilant. He felt no doubt in his ability to exact payment from Reigns. The man was big and tough, but he lacked discipline and Brian was big and tough himself. He had been a high school and collegiate wrestler, and he knew his physical capabilities. He also knew that he could go to jail if he assaulted Reigns. It would have to be something drastic that would allow no blowback. Soon, Allender's father was coming for a visit. How would he explain to Thomas? Your daughter isn't here because I kicked her out? She's a cheater and I can't live with her? She was freezing to death and a man took advantage of her and had sex with her, so I sent her away? None of that was anything he wanted to tell Thomas. Thomas was very much old school, and he was not going to be pleased with either of them. He was a retired aerospace engineer and the man Brian respected most in the world. Brian desperately craved his approval, and he wasn't looking forward to explaining the situation. He decided honesty was the best policy and tried to craft his explanation. He knew that Allender hadn't been in touch with her father, and it was going to be quite a shock to the man. Brian picked Thomas up at the airport, and the old man kept looking around, obviously expecting to see his daughter. It broke Brian's heart that this kind old gentleman was going to be disappointed. He took Thomas to lunch at Cheddar's and told him that Allender was gone. What do you mean, gone? Thomas asked. Where is she, and why didn't either of you bother to call me and tell me she wasn't going to be here? To tell you the truth, it's probably because we didn't want you to know, Brian said. It's a long story, so brace yourself. The long, torturous story came tumbling out, and Thomas listened in shock as the sordid tale was revealed. When Brian finished, there was silence. The tension was relieved by the arrival of their waiter, and Thomas ordered them both a bourbon. I don't know about you, but I could use a drink badly, he said. They sipped in silence for a moment, and finally Thomas spoke. Brian, I can't begin to tell you how badly I'm disappointed in my daughter. I'm very sorry I failed you both as a father. I can't imagine what you must be feeling and I'll do anything I can to help you. You also need to understand that she is my daughter and I love her with all my heart. I always will. I'll express my disappointment to her the first time I see her. Then I'm going to forgive her and love her just the same. My love for her doesn't depend on her being perfect or even good. I don't love her because she makes me proud or because she's perfect. I love her because she's my daughter. I love her because of who she is, not what she does. I completely understand, sir, Brian said. I wouldn't expect anything else. So, what are you going to do? Thomas asked. This situation is intolerable. You need to resolve this. I was hoping you might give me some idea about how to do that, Brian said. Take me home and let me sleep on it. Thomas said. They had a very somber dinner together and very few words passed between them. They went to bed with a dark cloud over them and Thomas lay awake, thinking through the night. He got up at six and prepared breakfast. When Brian got up at seven, it was ready and the two men talked over coffee. As I see it, Thomas explained, you have very few options. 
You don't know what Allender is thinking. You may be thinking that you don't know her at all. I believe that what happened is so out of character for her that she's a bit broken inside because of it. It's been five months and maybe she's found her way back. She hasn't told you so, but she may be waiting for something neither of us understands. I've decided the only way back or forward for the two of you is a test. She'll either pass or fail. Either way, you'll both know. Do you think she's ready? I have no idea, Brian said. What kind of a test? Let's see, I've sort of thought this out, Thomas said. From the way you've described this Rain's character and from what you've told me Allender said about him, I think he would jump at the opportunity to get a second shot at her. I think we need to arrange for that to happen. Jesus Christ, Thomas. Brian burst out. Are you crazy? That's the last thing I want. You have no idea how many times I've dreamed about killing that bastard. I don't want her near him. Yes, I understand, Thomas said. But the real problem is that you have no idea how she'll react if she gets in a sticky situation again. That's the crux of the problem. I think you should get word to him through some third party that the two of you are split up. If he's the kind of predator we think he is, he'll jump at the chance. If he doesn't react, we've misjudged him. If he does, he's fair game. He'll find Allender, and we'll see how she reacts. If she shuts him down, we'll know that this was an aberration. If she doesn't, we'll know she has some deeper character flaw and you need to move on with your life and leave her to me. Brian thought for a while. It's damned risky. He said. What if he stalks her or something? Brian, I've hunted on five continents. You're very good yourself. We're going to be watching over her like hawks. I'll kill the bastard myself if he harms her in any way. You figure out how you're going to get word to him and I'll plan everything else. Two weeks later, Peter Thompson and Rains Parker were eating dinner together at their base camp. Say Parker. Peter spoke up. You remember that nice couple that were here about six months ago? Their names were Brian and Allender Celine. They both took elk and you got stranded for a while with her. She was smoking hot. You remember? Parker looked at Peter but didn't comment. The boss said they broke up. Peter said, That's a real shame. I thought they really loved each other. You know anything about that, Parker? Reigns flushed. What are you implying? I'm not implying anything. Peter said, I'm flat out asking you, did you have anything to do with them breaking up? You can fess up like a man or wimp out like a big fucking pussy. I guess your face tells the tale. You speak like that to me again and I'll break you in two. Reigns growled. Ha. Huh. Peter laughed. You make a move at me and I'll kill you like the dog you are. Fucking a client. What, did you get her drunk? Was she freezing and you offered to warm her up? Look at you, you fucking weasel. That was it, wasn't it? She was freezing and you fucked her. You son of a bitch. He drew his pistol. No, you sit the fuck back down. I'm leaving. I won't work with a dog like you. Thank God your daddy isn't around to see what a piece of shit he raised. I'll be telling the boss what happened. He backed out of camp and Reigns heard the sound of his horse heading down the trail. He didn't give a damn what Thompson thought. His mind had only caught that Brian and Allender had broken up. He still thought every day about her. Her gorgeous face, the way those big breasts felt against his chest, the tight silkiness of her pussy around his member, the look of ecstasy on her face as she came, the sound of her voice and the impact of her personality. He had never wanted a woman so much in his life. He had been with hundreds in his football glory days, but he had never seen a woman who made the impact on him that Allender had. He was going to find her and claim her. Allender was working on her longbow. She had made a laminated bow using a hickory backing and bois dock for the bellywood. It was a huge weapon, 79 inches long, and it had a huge draw weight. She was doing artwork on it. She wanted it not only functional but beautiful. She was quite proud of it, and she had been practicing religiously. Someone was knocking downstairs and she went to answer the door. It was one of her neighbors. Lars was a nature boy. That was the only way to describe him. She felt as if he was a free spirit, kind of a throwback to the hippies, and she liked him. What she didn't like were his persistent attempts to get her to go out with him. Hi, Allender. He greeted her. I was wondering if you might like to go and get something to eat. He said. I'm busy, Lars. She said. I'm working on my bow. You have to eat. He said. Why do you always tell me you're busy? When are you not busy? Look, Lars. She was impatient. I like you, okay? You're a very good-looking guy.
You should have no trouble getting dates. Why do you keep asking me? I'm always going to be busy. It has nothing to do with you. Have you seen me go out with men? You haven't and you won't. I'm not going out with you and if you don't stop asking me, we aren't even going to be friends. Do you understand? Why won't you go out with me? He began to argue and Allender heard her phone ringing upstairs. I have to answer my phone. She closed the door in his face. Her phone had gone to voicemail when she found it. It was under the coat she had been wearing earlier and she didn't recognize the number. Her blood froze when she heard Rain's voice. Hello, Allender, he said. I know I promised you would never hear from me again. I heard that you and Brian are no longer together. I'm very sorry if that had anything to do with me. The thing is, if you're not with Brian, I'd like to see you. I don't know where you are, but I got this number. Please call me. I need to see you. Allender dropped her phone. The memory of what they had done swept over her like a wave. She remembered the excitement and the agonizing pleasure. She also felt the shame and guilt rush over her, as if it had all been yesterday. Damn the man! She was just sorting her life out, and now this. She had no intention of returning his call. She had come to terms with the weakness that had overcome her, and the way her body had reacted to him. It was difficult to accept, but she realized that she had a deep character flaw that she needed to constantly guard against. She didn't fully understand how she could lose control like that, but she knew how to prevent it from ever happening again. Now Reigns had intruded in her life again, unwelcome and hostile to everything she had ever hoped to have in her life. She went back to her bow. A million thoughts ran through her mind as she sorted through ideas. She reached a tentative conclusion and set her bow aside. She had some planning to do. A good night's sleep would be a perfect start, and Allender went to bed at peace with her plan. The next morning she got up early, had a good breakfast and packed what she intended to take in her truck. She had traded her car for a four-wheel drive truck when she passed through Yakima. Her longbow was in a case along with her arrows. It had a draw length of 30 inches and the arrows were 2 inches longer. She was going to use 125 grain woodman broadheads and she had those in a case as well. She packed her gear and headed southeast for Colorado. Brian and Thomas watched her drive away. They had been watching her for a week, not knowing whether or not Parker would call her. When they saw her begin packing, their hearts fell. Brian watched her carefully through his binoculars, and he saw the case she packed in the cab of her truck. It appeared to be a fishing rod, but he couldn't imagine why she would take it with her. He and Thomas followed in the car they had rented and took turns sleeping and driving. Allender was pushing hard and when she finally stopped they took turns sleeping in the car. She slept for ten hours, and drove through a McDonald's for breakfast. It became clear where she was going and Brian wanted to quit. She's going to him, Thomas. He argued. I don't want to see it. I've had enough. Stop being such a little pussy. Thomas told him. Grow some balls, man. I'm going to cripple the son of a bitch, and you're going to help me. They were somewhat surprised when Allender turned off the highway and drove into the trees. They watched as she concealed her truck with shrubbery and took out a pack. She had the strange case with her and the two men quickly packed up the camping supplies they had brought with them. Thomas had packed rifles, and they took to the woods, following Allender's progress. She was heading back to the site where the nightmare began, and she was pushing hard. They spent two days getting there and when they did, there was no sign of life. Allender cautiously approached the camp and checked around. It had been used very recently, and she supposed that Peter and Rains were out scouting. She went up the trail she had used before and she saw where a horse had turned off along the bluff. She was moving with caution now, stopping to scan the terrain with her glasses before proceeding. She made five miles along the trail of the horse and smelled smoke. As she approached, she caught sight of it and made her was carefully forward. Brian and Thomas became aware that she was stalking something and crept silently closer. They watched as Allender took her bow out of the case and strung it. She put tips on four arrows and knocked one to the string. Shit! Brian whispered to Thomas. She's going to shoot the son of a bitch! They could see Rain sitting with his back against a large pine tree eating an apple. They crept closer as Allender made her way within range. She was keeping cover between herself and Reigns until she had a sure shot. Should we stop her? Brian whispered. Let her play it out. Thomas said. This is her show. She needs to resolve it. Allender stood slowly and loose. Reigns heard a sound like a bird flying and felt a tremendous impact in his right shoulder. 
An agonizing pain erupted through his body and he realized he was pinned to the pine tree by the longest arrow he had ever seen. He heard the sound again and before he could react his other shoulder was pinned. His vision darkened and the world went black. Water splashed over his face and he sputtered into consciousness. He was in agony. When his eyes focused he saw Allender pouring water from a bottle over his head. He sputtered and she knelt in front of him. Hello, Reigns, she said. You shot me. All he could manage was a croak. Yes. She smiled a humorless smile. Twice. I'm going to shoot you again. What the hell is wrong with you? He croaked. You're killing me? I am, I promise you that I would. She said. Her voice was flat. You destroyed my life, Reigns. You destroyed me. I helped you do it, but I'm better now. I realized that you weren't going to let me move on. You were always going to be there like a snake, slithering around in my garden and keeping me from ever being what I once was. I was a snake too for six hours. Then I realized that I'm not a snake. I'm taking my life back, Reigns. You're dropping out. He looked into her eyes and saw his death. Please. He managed to choke out. I'll never contact you again. I've never liked the word contact used as a verb. A male voice spoke. Another strike against you. I also believe that is a promise we've heard before. It was empty then and I suspect empty now. Allender was rolling off to the side and when she came up she was holding a very nasty looking .40 caliber pistol. It was trained on the man who had come up behind her. Daddy! She exclaimed. What are you doing? How did you find? She flew to him, throwing her arms around him and sobbing into his coat. I brought someone with me. He murmured. Allender's head snapped up and she saw Brian emerge from behind a rock. Oh my god! She sobbed. She was running and she felt like it was miles. She was running to her husband. All other thoughts were gone. Brian was here. He moved toward her and wrapped her in his arms as she wept hysterically into his chest. Were you planning to shoot me? He asked her. She glanced down to the pistol press between them against his heart. She snatched it away as he grinned at her ruefully. Hi, baby, he said. You're in quite a situation here. What were you going to do with him, Allender? He asked, nodding toward the unconscious Parker. I was going to put an arrow between those other two, right in the center. She said. I can't let you do that. He told her. What are we going to do? She asked. You two are going to start for home. Thomas said. I'll clean up the trash. I'll be by in a couple of weeks. Will you both be there? Allender looked hopefully at Brian. He nodded. Come to Conconally. Allender said. I think we need to get away from everything for a while. Thomas nodded and watched his daughter and son-in-law disappear into the trees, one arm around each other, and the sound of their low voices mingling and fading. He smiled. It was all going to work out. They had gone perhaps a mile when they heard two shots. They looked at each other. Brian raised one eyebrow and Allender sighed. They headed down the trail. The End This podcast is part of the Erotica Podcast Network. We offer a free Erotica Podcast and a premium patron taboo podcast which contains more intense sexual themes. You can subscribe to the premium podcast for $2 per month or support the Erotica Podcast on Patreon to support us and allow members to request future stories and themes. Links are in the description. Thank you for listening.